comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Bones of four fifty men lie strewn about its lair. So brave knights, if you do doubt your courage, all your strength come no further, for death awaits you all with nasty big pointy teeth. Episode 206. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Here, half hour wasted. We have a fever of 103. And that's when I started gnawing off my leg, when I found out I was iced in. How do you, everyone else oh, in Dallas, Texas. How do you taste? I taste pretty salty. Like chicken? Yeah, kind of more porky, believe it or not. Can you change your diet up? <laughs> I need to drink more Gatorade. Hey, guys, welcome to A Half Hour Wasted via Skype. Yeah, what's what's up with this? It sounds funny. <laughs> We're having to Skype it in this week because Dallas has been hit by an ice storm. Uh, the roads, the roads are glazed with with easily uh, a half inch of ice. In some places, I, uh, I ran my car around the block one time just to just to try it, and uh-huh. uh, I I ran into two curbs, no lie, and I said I'm just going to park it, and we're done. And that's with a uh, that's with a front wheel drive uh, stick shift uh, Saturn with traction control. So yeah, I drove about uh, I drove about uh, I drove about uh, five miles today. I drove to the I made a big triangle. I drove to the Taco Bueno, and then I turned around and then I went back two miles to the grocery store. Okay, and then I went back two miles back to my house so there's a grooves there's grooves in the ice uh you know where people have been riding driving and stuff so uh, i didn't make it to a main street so all i know is that our neighborhood is still a a literal sheet of ice it makes me wonder are there any groceries left in the grocery stores i went to the grocery store today uh, they had empty shelves (laughs) <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah, so I guess just the trucks aren't making it in or something like that. But uh, I, went out, I went out for coffee yesterday, um, and then I got whooshed out of the, the um, Starbucks because they were closing, I think it was at 1. In the morning? Uh, uh, in the afternoon. Oh. I went there I went there around 12.30, got my coffee, and they go, hey, I was going to sit. They were telling, they could tell I was about to sit down and read. And they were like, yeah, we're getting ready to close shop here at 1. So I stayed about 15 minutes and went home. And then today I went out, uh, got more coffee, and decided I needed milk. So I went to a grocery store, got milk, and then came back home. But it is slow driving out there. Has one inch of ice ever shut down a metro area like this ever in the history of civilization? Wow. Because Dallas, Dallas is literally helpless right now. I mean, if you don't have a sand truck in front of you, you're not getting anywhere. Well, it's, no. it's because numb nuts don't know how to drive in this weather. You know, you know, we need we need those ice motorcycles with the big spiked metal wheels on them. That would be awesome. You know, I, I always find it funny how northerners will rag on southerners for, you know, oh, they don't know how to drive on the ice and stuff like that. Well, okay. First of all, let me get on a little high horse here. It doesn't ice that much over here. We're not used to it. And plus, 
it's simple physics that when you have a a, a, a two thousand pound piece of metal machinery, it's going to gain momentum and it's going to act differently than 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 if you're on a dry road. Okay, so all right, we can't drive very well on ice. That's fine. We get that. Okay, but when they have a heat wave in the north, like in Chicago, and a heat wave up there is like 95 degrees, the news actually has to come on and remind people what to do when it's too hot. They have to remind them to drink water, stay in a cool place, go to go, stay inside, don't do strenuous stuff. For some reason, northerners don't know how to react during a heat wave. Animals, dogs know what to do when it's hot. They know what to do. But for some reason, we got to put it on the news and people got to, they can't, they got to be told to just do stuff that's inherent in squirrels, in cats, in birds. Okay, so stop making fun of us for not knowing how to drive on the ice. We know what to do when it's hot, okay? There. I'm not trying to uh, turn this into jokey jokeville, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's face it, in Chicago, when it gets up to 95 or above, People are literally dying up there from it. And, you know, we, I don't think people down here are dying from the cold because we can't put on a coat. Um, I mean, I've never understood why people up north don't invest in things like air conditioners. And, you know, what? it doesn't have to be central heat now. It could be a window unit in your kitchen. You know, just anything to keep one room of your house, you know, below 101 degrees. You know, I mean... I don't know anybody that can sleep at night, you know, in, in hot weather. Um, but, again, you know, it's because we are we are used to it, and, you know, we deal with it all the time. And, you know, hey, I saw the pictures of those uh, those northerners that are so used to snow. And those kids in Chicago under, like, four and a half, five feet of snow, well, my guess is that their town's not functioning much better than ours is right now either. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the other high horse needs to be uh, climbed off of. I agree. Thank right. you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right, so the theme for this weird Skype episode is death. Is this right, yeah. Frank? That's right. We're going to talk about uh, the death of Johnny Storm in uh, Fantastic Four 587. We're also going to talk about the death of Wizard Magazine, the death of the Comic Code, which was announced and uh, also the death of high prices from Marvel? Is that a possibility? I think yeah, so. right. <laughs> okay, so um, I know you guys have already talked a lot about the death of Johnny Storm in the uh, special report that you guys did. And I listened to that. And then um, I I didn't read the, the issue, but I, I flipped through it casually. Okay. And I guess because I didn't read it, I couldn't tell what the heck was going on. But I did notice that we didn't actually see Johnny Storm die, so yeah. I think we're all, you know, pretty clear on the fact that he's not dead. We just don't know what happened to him yet. Well, and, you and, and, to go ahead, Bill. Go, Frank. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say that, that, um, that, that, yes, it's exactly what happened. Um, they have absolutely marketed this as the death of Johnny Storm. Um, we do believe, though, that it this had nothing to do with uh, Kirkman. You know, this was not a decision by Kirkman to do this. This was clearly a marketing decision by Marvel. You mean Hickman? On Excuse me, Hickman? Hickman. Yeah, yeah, we, we do that a lot these days. Um, but, yes. Uh, You're the only the, one that, uh, that I've ever heard do that, actually. No, 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 no. You don't read the email chains. Um, uh, anyway, um, so yeah, Hickman, um, uh, this is not something that he did necessarily to be sensationalistic. And I, I thought the, uh, the issue uh, itself was very almost subtle in the way it, it handled it. Um, you could tell there was a lot of collaboration between the artist and the author. Um, but this was just kind of a continuing part of the story. You did not have a big VN stamp on the final page. A continuing uh, story. Right? Yeah. Like the Muppets, so right? The, um, the, the final page, in fact, says the last stand of Johnny Storm. It doesn't say, it does not say the death of Johnny Storm. It says the last stand. I mean, yeah. if it were the death, why not say the death of Johnny Storm? It says well, the last stand. I, 
I thought uh, maybe the most interesting thing brought up in our little uh, extended edition, whatever we want to call it, uh, was uh, the uh, the dude speculated that since we are 13, I guess now 12 issues, now it'll be 13 issues away from issue 600, they've already said that they're going to uh, rename it FF, and they're going to start with issue one here in the next uh, month or two, and speculation being that you know Marvel has, gone back to their original numberings, witness Iron Man 500, you know, Thor 600 just showed up. Um, so the speculation, just, you know, on their part, which I think is, is you know, very cagey, is that uh, this this death, quote-unquote, might last for 12 issues, and you might see his return with issue 600, or something monumental happening in that way. But um, you've got to wonder if um, in the next year to 13 months, you might see a reversal of fortune, you know, as you will, um, for, uh, for Mr. Johnny Storm. But, uh, but yeah, man, um, I, uh, um, you know, we, we talked about the issue itself, but we didn't talk much about Johnny, you know, himself. And, uh, you know, I've been a Fantastic Four kid since, as long as I've been reading comics. I mean, I think the only, the only title I've been reading, you know, for longer than that is maybe the Legion. So, I've always had a real soft spot for uh, for those uh, those boys in the uh, Fantastic Four, and you know it it, I, it didn't break me up any, but uh, but yeah I, I felt uh, you know I felt emotion surging through my breast as I uh, read that uh, that last page, and it was mainly I thought it was so well done uh, as the, uh, the the opening of the negative zone is closing uh, you know like an iris, you see uh, you see Ben Grimm looking through the iris. Uh, you know, clearly looking at Johnny and what he's trying to, you know, battle off. And the iris, you know, they, they keep coming back to two or three panels, you know, at a time. And uh, the iris is closed each time, and Ben is literally crying. And he says something along the lines of, you know, oh, God, Johnny. And, you know, you know that he is seeing, um, you know, he's seeing what he thinks is Johnny Storm dying, but, uh, but we don't get the benefit of that ourselves and um, I just I never did quite understand um, why Johnny, maybe it was a futile gesture but why didn't Johnny uh, why didn't he go Nova why didn't he try to fly away um, yeah. you know, right that's, I mean, we've that's, already... that's 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 the little issue I have with it all Johnny had to do was close the door press the button to close the door and it had to be closed from that side why would you bother fighting if all that's if that's all you had to do? I well, mean, all he had to do is make, he didn't have to fight him off. He just had to close the door, and then and, and I, re- I would close the door and run. Yeah, I, I really did appreciate this issue. I do not mean to sound like I'm nitpicking it to death, um, but the iris took a while to close because you're seeing Ben Grimm flash back to Johnny, flash to Ben Grimm, flash to Johnny, back to Ben Grimm. And unless this iris, you know, supposedly closed a lot faster than the the illustration in the comic made it seem, he might have had time to have squirted through there like Indiana Jones going under the wall, you know, had time to reach back and grab his whip or his hat or whatever, you know. I mean, you know, it was possible, but, you know, we know that the negative zone is not like, you know, it's not like our universe. I mean, he could theoretically take off and go anywhere in the negative zone universe. You know, he wasn't limited to staying on that continent, that island, that planet, that asteroid, that wherever they were, you know, um, you know, I guess, uh, what, uh, uh, the, the prison, um, uh, I've read all those comics, but I'm not sure right this moment, uh, clear as to exactly where the prison was located, whether it was on a, a, an asteroid all by itself or other, um, Anyway, sorry, a lot of a lot of chaos going on in the house right now. That's going to be a big surprise for our listeners. Um, so I'm trying well, to fight through it. <laughs> well, Bill, let, 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 let me ask you, and we'll kind of go around the room, and this is just yeah. spur of the moment. Uh, how is Johnny Storm? Let, let's say that Johnny Storm is coming back. How is he coming back? You can be, you can be serious or you can be funny. How is Johnny Storm coming back? Well, we speculate on this. I'm going first. We speculate on this a little bit um, in that... Um, uh, in that special edition, but there were uh, there were a couple of mechanisms put in place, Ace Age, um, 
you know, in this issue itself, uh, they give you clues that it might not be a, a fait accompli. Um, one of them was that uh, uh, Val had to literally give Johnny step-by-step directions on how to close the door. Um, we, uh, it's also mentioned explicitly in the episode that, uh, that they're sure that Reed, we, we don't know this because Reed wasn't there, but we're, the, the characters were sure that Reed had built back doors into that system. So, you know, the last panel we see Johnny, he's literally being overwhelmed by hordes of, um, you know, negative zone bugs. But, like Brad said, we never actually see the death blow. So, it, it makes you wonder. And I'm, I'm rolling through this uh, again. There was, uh, there was one other uh, clue that I thought might have been... Um, uh, uh, there, was, there was one other clue that I thought might have given us uh, an idea on how he could have lived through it. And while I'm talking, I'm having a hard time finding it. So, uh, um, but, but yeah, there's definitely mechanisms um, in there. Um, you know, and, of course, people have lived through stuff, you know, like this. You know, the, there's not even, you know, including the Deus Ex Machina, which I think uh, we'd like to assume uh, Mr. Hickman will not use. So, um, so, so we'll see. I mean, I, I just, it's interesting that everybody wants to believe that this is a very final death. And if it is, that's cool. But, um, you know, I think it's interesting how, as far as I can tell, most people who have read this don't think that this is a death death. You know, this isn't Jason Todd or, you know, Bucky or something like that. And, and of course, those guys eventually came back, too. It just took a while. We'll see. Brad, how do you think think Johnny Storm's going to come back? I I couldn't answer that because... You know, I, I haven't been reading it. Frankly, I don't care. Um, out of all of the Fantastic Four, he's my least favorite character. You know, he's always been kind of a douchebag, really, honestly and truly. Uh, he's always been that way. And, you know, um, I just have never been a huge Human Torch fan. Um, I don't really think he... I really don't think he contributes much to the Marvel Universe. Um, I think... You know, Ben's uh, uh, torment with, can I be human again? You know, you know that that's volumes more interesting than Johnny, you know, wondering what girl he's going to hook up with next. Or And I realize that I haven't read any Fantastic Four lately. So Hickman could have developed uh, Johnny Storm into a, an interesting character. Uh, if that's uh-huh. happened, I don't know that that's happened. But... My knowledge of the Fantastic Four in general uh, leaves leaves me to not really give a rat's behind about Johnny Storm. And, uh, you know, if they have changed him into an interesting character, then that's cool. I would like to read that because I would like to care about Johnny Storm because he's an integral, you know, part of, of the first family of comics. He and Spider-Man were best buds for a long time. Um, Dan Slott wrote a Spider-Man Human Torch miniseries uh, a few years back that was actually pretty good. So um, I, I, I have a feeling Bill wants to jump in here. Oh, I was just going to say that, um, that Millar, and, uh, Millar and Hickman have, uh, have both contributed to his character, and he's not the... He's not the mimbo um, that uh, that he's oftentimes stereotyped as, and I, I haven't read uh, Fantastic Four uh, religiously since the good old days of Mark Wolfman and Roy Thomas and guys like that. Up till now, I mean, I, I've read a few issues, the Straczynski run, stuff like that. Uh, I have a huge dark period in the Fantastic Four that stretches for probably uh, ten, fifteen years. I have no idea what they've done. Um, up until the last two or three years uh, with his character, um, but, uh, but yeah, they—he's not—he's um, not the, the, the jackass um, that he has been in the past. By the way, um, I just—I I bet Brad will find this note interesting. I think I'm getting ready to bank my reputation on it. But um, of course, uh, you know, he—he he has reason to be kind of flighty. Um, it's because. Uh, um, when he was a kid, he and his sister Sue lost his mother in a car accident, of course. Um, his dad, uh, Franklin Storm, 
uh, managed to escape the accident unharmed, but was tortured by his wife's death. And he spiraled into alcoholism and financial ruin due to being denied a bank loan. Did you know that? Is that true? Did Is that you? absolutely true? Did you? Well, it's on Wikipedia. How can it not be true? The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. Oh, that... The Human Torch's dad was denied a bank loan. That makes so. me really, really happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I, that tickled the hell out of me. I figured that I had to make it into this episode. So, yes, the Human Torch's dad was denied a bank loan. You know, death is just a, a, it's not a permanent thing anymore. You know, to me, the only deaths that have been that are still permanent in this in comics are the two most important ones uh Bruce Wayne's parents and Uncle Ben Spider-Man's Uncle Ben and yeah. once once those get reversed that's when I stop reading comics altogether huh. I um I can't imagine you know, please don't ever let that happen but, I yeah. can totally please. see it I can totally see it happening well Peter I David wrote a Peter David, when he was writing Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man uh, a couple years ago, which, uh, as a, on a tangent, he, he uh, had fun referring to it as FN Spider-Man, FN Spider-Man, Friendly Neighborhood. Um, when he was writing FN Spider-Man, he wrote a story of where Uncle Ben came back, but it was an, an Uncle Ben from an alternate Earth. So, you know, you might the argument is, well, that's been done. Well, it wasn't the real Uncle Ben, but... You know, wow. if they were to uh, if they were to bring back, which I'm sure they will, the, uh, Johnny Storm, I I hope they use him in an interesting way. I hope they they bring him back as as I mean, wouldn't it be great if they brought him back as some type of tortured soul from the negative zone, and he's now a villain, and and now you know he has to fight the Fantastic Four because uh, because of something twisted that happened to him while he was in the negative zone. Or you know he gets a taste of power in the negative zone and and and, and you know he just wants to wreak revenge on on the four for some reason. I mean it'll just take a good writer to kind of de- develop that story. You know I was going to say that that that's been done before, but if you think about it, all comic stories have been done before. It, like you said though, Frank, it, if the once if a if a good writer takes the takes hold of a story idea that's been done before, puts his own spin on it then it can work. Yeah, I mean, um, look at, um, I mean, look at Hal Jordan's origin story, uh, Ab and Sir. You know, they gave him no whole backstory because, uh, you know, something that was there but, but never developed. It just takes a good writer and, you know, and, and, you know, good writing just doesn't happen. I mean, it takes a skill and stuff like that, um, you know, to, to find an opportunity and make it work. Um, so I'm sure Johnny's going to be back and, uh, he's, you know, because that'll sell more issues too. And, uh, and, you know, is it, is the prediction 600 that he'll be back? I'm going to go well, with that. Was, I'm, I'm going to say Johnny Storm will be back in issue 600. Like you, you guys said in your, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it was a really interesting tack to take. And, and it's, it's kind of a, a shame that, uh, and, you know, I understand that there have been, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of comics written in the medium and most major titles have had hundreds and hundreds of issues written so you're, you're like you know in music you're trying to do you know you're trying to create a new song out of only eight notes and so I totally get how it's been um, you know how every story has already been written and it's just a, a matter of a different path to the stories um, but uh but they've made us uh, cynical, basically. You know, we've got to the point where, and rightly so, you know, we don't believe that, you know, something as monumental as a character's death is going to be permanent in any way. Well, and, Bill, I, I, yeah, think I, I think it's actually more experience or age that makes us cynical because, you know, I, I'm sure there's 10-year-old kids out there who are reading it thinking, oh, my gosh, how could they do that? So it's, it, it, it's not so much the... Well, it it it's what we've been exposed to before because this I mean this event is newer to new readers I mean having a character like this die is always new yeah. to some. Well, um, you've certainly got a point, but they've but they transitioned you know uh, the mainstream comics away from kids, 
And um, I'm sure that there are kids out there, uh, some age, that are reading, you know, Fantastic Four, Justice League, you know, uh, you name it. But, you know, they're now, uh, the comics have gotten adult enough, but they're actually putting out kids' comics these days. You know, you can read, you know, the Super Friends comic because Justice League is a little bit too adult. Um, you know, the same thing. They've got Marvel Adventures Fantastic Four because maybe the regular Fantastic Four is too adult. Um, so the idea that that we're not, you know, that, that the kids, you know, might be fooled by this, well, I think that, you know, unlike when we were growing up, the idea that a 10-year-old is reading this, you know, back in 1975, 1980, you know, a 10-year-old, you know, 10 to 15-year-olds might have been, I don't know, what, 30, 40, 50%, 60% of their audience. Now, you know, that percentage might be 15% of the audience. I just, you know, I just think again, you know, they've, they've made it, you know, they made comics dark enough that, um, you know, you have to be fairly mature, uh, literally or, you know, mentally, um, to read these without being discarded by them. So, you know, I just, I, I think you've got a point there. Um, but, uh, I think that most people who are reading, you know, this, Fantastic Four 587 have probably seen this happen over and over and over and over again in comics, you know, over the years they've been reading them. And, you know, let's face it, you know, they, you know, they, and we're going to get to this here in just a moment, but the idea that, uh, that they kind of priced the kids out of the comic book market to where uh, it's either parents buying them for their kids or it's, you know, adults buying these comics. Um, so I just, I think that, uh, uh, your, your point is valid, but I don't think it's necessarily um, uh, typical of uh, the comic reader. I think the typical comic reader these days is, you know, at least in the 30s. And, um, you know, I've seen this happen a bunch of times before. So uh, maybe I'm wrong. Well, let's uh, let's use this moment to kind of segue into the, uh, into the death of the uh, comic code. Which, oh, you're good. Uh, let, let me uh, let me read this little blurb, and then we kind of go into it. Uh, in 2001, okay. Marvel Comics withdrew, withdrew from the CCA in favor of its own rating system, designed appropriate age, uh, designated to appropriate age groups. In 2010, Bongo Comics quietly discontinued using the code, instead simply labeling their comics all ages. And in January 2011, DC announced that they would discontinue participation, adopting a rating system similar to Marvel's. A day later, Archie Comics, the only other publisher still participating in the code, announced it would discontinue it. So, the rating code—it's that little—that's that little emblem you usually see in the upper right-hand corner of your comics or left. Um, usually signified a certain type of a certain type of rules that meant the uh, comic book followed a certain code that adults could feel good about letting their kids see, um, but. It doesn't seem to have any merit anymore. Any thoughts on on that, Brad? We'll start with you. No, I think that the comics code is way outdated. Um, the CGS guys were uh, talking about it, and one of them was listing a bunch of actual uh, text from verbiage from the comics code, like "thou Which, shalt yeah. not," "thou shalt not," you know, all this stuff. And I can, I can, in fact, let, let me just read just yeah. like three rules right here, and I'm just picking these um, at random. Comics shall not be presented in a way uh, as to create sympathy for the criminal. Uh, in every instance, good shall triumph over evil, and no ca- uh, comic magazine shall use the word horror or terror in its title. Read the one about how women are supposed to be drawn. Let's see. Females shall be drawn realistically without exaggeration or of physical quality, or exaggeration of any physical qualities. Well, we all know that's not true. Obviously, uh, the comics code hasn't been enforced by anybody in God knows how long. You know, so what's the point? The comics code authority uh, was formed in September 1954. You know, uh, because. Comics were getting incredibly gory and incredibly scary, at least according to uh, you know the, the the mommies and daddies of the world out there. Now, of course, you got to realize that this is right smack dab in the middle of McCarthyism, 
And so the whole idea that America is trying to protect their kids from the evils of communism, the evils of this, the evils of that, um, you know, is is extremely, you know, valid to the full discussion. Um, They, uh, um, and by the way, before the CCA was adopted, um, you had cities uh, such as uh, Oklahoma City and Houston, um, uh, and even Los Angeles, uh, passing ordinances banning crime and horror comics, although the uh, the, the attempt um, by Los Angeles to do that was uh, deemed unconstitutional by the courts, uh, therefore um, letting us know something that we've always known, that Los Angeles and California is the center of the left-wing media. So, you know, this was, uh, the CCA was theoretically a volunteer thing, much like, uh, you know, do you want to uh, admit you're a communist was a uh, voluntary thing. Um, so, no, it was certainly, you know, um, it was spawned by, by outside pressures. I mean, they, they knew that if they didn't do something like this to kind of pacify uh, the, the parents out there who were letting their kids buy these comics, uh, or, you know, in some cases, you know, you know, giving the kids the money to buy these comics, you know, if they had enough parents, you know, you know, engaging in shock and revulsion over the comics the kids are bringing home, well, you know, this was not altruistic. This was to save their butt. And, you know, this is um, uh, in between, you know, the, the superhero, uh, the birth of superheroes in the 30s and the rebirth of superheroes in the early 60s, so you basically had nothing but Western comics and horror comics at the time. Um, you know, so I just I always thought it was, it was very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't back there in those days, but I think it would have been uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting to um, uh, to have uh, lived through that. Um, uh, you know, Bill, there, 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 there is a, a bit of, of historical um, um, back room type dealing with with the whole code here and i don't know the whole story but ec comics had been trying to con- there were some people who were trying to get rid of ec comics and part of the job of the comics code was designed directly to get rid of ec comics um that rule i read about no comics shall have horror or terror in the title a majority of ec comics had horror and terror in their title and because of that, they had to change their format, and um, and and they eventually went out of business or got a, or got swallowed up by another company or something like that. So a lot of this wasn't so much altruistic. A lot of it, this wasn't so much about let's watch out for the kids. A lot of this was backroom dealing, trying to get businesses, you know, having one business try to take care of another business, you know, using legislation. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um... I mean, and the the comics code period was always kind of a fluid thing um, to begin with. Uh, obviously, when it started, uh, the comics code was the strongest. But um, but it, it, as early as 1971, um, they're having to uh, kind of rethink. As uh, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man issues 96 through 98 uh, were uh, were published without the CCA stamp. Um, because they were trying to show, uh, it was kind of like the um, uh, the Green Arrow, Green Lantern, um, uh, Speedy issues, where Speedy was a uh, smackhead. Um, so kind of the same thing um, in the Amazing Spider-Man. Um, you're uh, you're doing a story about the evils of drugs, and you you know the CCA says you just can't mention drugs, period, uh, for good or ill. Um, so. Stan Lee says, you know what, just just run it without the without the Comics Code Authority stamp, period. So I always thought it was interesting that, you know, putting the stamp on the comics was, again, not altruistic, but it was always voluntary. Um, there was never any threat that you just couldn't publish without these stamps, you know. Um, it was just, you know, we're trying to, you know, cover our own rump um, by putting this uh, seal on here so parents will think that it's okay. Um you know, not a lot has changed, frankly, because the ratings that they put on comics these days, again, are totally voluntary. And again, much like the CCA stamp, it's meant to give the parents a guideline of what might be in there. Now, the CCA stamp was very, very broad and just covered kind of everything. It's like, 
you know, there's going to be nothing objectionable in this. Whereas, you know, these days, the, uh, you know, there are objectionable comics, but you just have ratings. You know, it, it'd be like, if back in the 50s, um, you know, parents got so fed up with rating our movies, and I, I realize that the rating system, um, I don't know exactly what year, but I know the rating system hasn't always been around in its present format uh, for movies. But it'd be like if you had rated our movies in the 50s, or in the 40s and 50s, and then uh, parents were so horrified their kids might see them that all of a sudden you couldn't make radar movies any longer, you know, starting in 1954. And, you know, it took a while before they kind of worked back up to it. And I think it's the same kind of thing with comics here. Um, but, uh, but they ended up, um, you know, working back up to it. And by the 70s, when the comic code starts to shift, um, the reason is because they're trying to discuss weightier topics, you know, they're not trying to be sensationalistic, they're trying to discuss, you know, hey, this heroin is really bad for you, and it's going to kill you, you know, and you're going to get hooked on it if you start it. So, you know, they're trying to basically do some scared straight type of stuff, and they're having to battle the comics code authority, which isn't fluid enough to, you know, manage this delicately. So, you well, know, I, um, I just... You know, um... While it while it may have started as something that that was meant to to help guide people, uh, you know, on the straight and narrow, and 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 have some type of code for adults to follow, it definitely lost touch with you know what those rules mean and 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 what that code actually means and whether it even carries weight anymore. Which I would argue, I don't think I don't think it does. I mean, I never really hear anyone cite it. I. You know, the the few times I've seen families in comic book stores, you know, I've never heard anyone, like a family member, say, you know, does it have, have the comic code on it? You know, I have seen that with video games. Like, what's that video game rated? And, and, and you right. know, video games have, have ratings themselves. So I think it's just kind of, I think it's just kind of lost its, its purpose. Well, you know, and, Marvel's uh, had its own rating system for a while now. DC's going to have its own rating system. Yeah, and you know, and you know, all those ratings are meant to do are, is is to keep uh, uh, legislation from from happening on a federal level. They they want to be able just to be able to police it themselves because once you get the the uh, a federal federal law involved, then there's regulations involved, and then it just becomes a lot more work than than anyone wants it to be. So let's just self police us. I mean, that that's that's usually why these things end up happening. And that's why video games have their own own code, and they strict stick to it. Yeah, um, hey, uh, also be glad that it's called uh, the CCA, because if we were uh, if we were over in Japan, it would be called the Tokyo Metropolitan Ordinance regarding the healthy development of youth. So, <laughs> you know, at least CCA rolls up the tongue. Um. So, uh, Wizard Magazine. On uh, let's see, this was posted on January twenty fourth. So we're just about a about 10 days, about two weeks past this happened, but uh, let me read this little blurb. Wizard Magazine has ceased publication after 20 years, laying off its remaining staff and canceling freelance assignments. Its sibling publication, Toy Fair, has also closed. Um, it goes on to say, Wizard World since confirmed the closing of Wizard and Toy Fair, uh, let me see. Um, there was something else in the story, and I lost it. Let me see. I um, Gerald uh, uh, Garib Samus followed a morning filled with reports of the magazine demise, with a press release announcing the February launch of the all-new digital magazine called Wizard World that will target the same audience. So it sounds like they're just going uh, to a digital format. So Wizard Magazine, the way we know it. Um, you know, is gone, but it'll still be around in some uh, in some form. Um, just kind of kind of thoughts. How how often did you guys read Wizard magazine? Yeah, well, I'm personally I'm mad because um, I uh, my subscription ran out at just the right time. By the way, I missed I missed get yeah my subscription ran out um, before the last issue of Wizard to hit the stands. In fact, I was looking at it. Uh, uh, my uh, last Wednesday going, should I pick up the last issue for any reason? And I thought, you know what, for 28 bucks a year, I'll, I'll get it for five ninety nine an issue or whatever. I left it behind. 
but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize for reading that magazine. Uh, people tell me that back in the '90s it was so much better, and you know what? I guess I believe them. I don't have any reason not to. But you know, it's it's like you know you just gotta realize what you're getting into. I wasn't expecting you know deep Aristotelian ethical just you know discussions. You know, I was expecting you know little stupid little quippy stuff and previews and you know. I mean, I'm, I never had a problem with it. What I am mad about is the fact that I can no longer take my wizard into the bathroom and mark it. Because um, I'm that's not the only place lap- it's that's the for the last couple of years. That's the only place it deserves to be. Hey, you know, no argument there. But that was a great place for it, and you know, you could read you know one or two pages and do your business and uh, get back on around about your life, and uh, you know what, pick that wizard back up another two days later and. You know, the, the magazine got to the point where there were a number of times where I would almost literally read the entire thing in one sitting. And, um, you know, a, a magazine needs more substance when you can read the entire thing in one sitting. So, um, you know, it, it was it was fun and I enjoyed it. And, uh, um, you know, I just, it kind of makes me mad because I'm not going to sit there on the john with my laptop on my lap or, you know, heaven forbid, my smartphone. You know, and I'm not going to read it, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to, uh, oh, I just got a, an essential Spider-Man uh, Volume 1 I may have to pick up. I um, a, I, I have Brad never, Rick. I've never bought a copy of Wizard. I've read a few copies. Really? Never bought one. Um, never, re- you know, aside from someone going, hey, this is a cool article, read this. Um, never really saw the the need for it. I just never really cared for it for for the most part. I mean, cared enough and enough to to buy it online. And to be honest, there's so much news, like CBR and Newsarama. Well, see, that's the get, that's the thing like, that really killed it. You know, yeah, is the can, is the online it, websites. You know, because yeah. when Wizard was good before the internet really propagated itself, and uh, you know, Wizard was old news. By the time you got it, it was old news. So they had to kind of change from reporting like current news to doing fluffy kind of top 10 lists and um hey here comes the summer movies you know that was they've always did that but they couldn't do new current news because by the time it got published you'd already read about it on on the internet yeah even if they didn't i mean uh newsarama is really good about giving you in-depth interviews with people and even if wizard didn't have one Chances are Newsarama either did one or will do one or will just reprint highlights of that in-depth interview in it. Um, I, it, it's, it, it was definitely an item of its times. You know, back back in the '90s before internet and stuff, it was. Uh, you know, I, I could see it's an importance, but it's just, it's almost like Entertainment Weekly, uh, the magazine. I'm still surprised that thing is around because there's just. There's just so much entertainment news out there that, um, you know, I, I just wonder if something like Entertainment Weekly, I, I just wonder how that magazine is doing. You know, yeah, when I they... Wonder, go ahead, Bill. Well, I just go, I'm just wondering what is, you know, what is going to get published on the Wizard website? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just the way it happened to me is just bizarre. I mean, because, you know, and, and of course, you know, we've, Certainly lived through this too, but everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's great. Oh, we're closed, huh? You know, there, there's no ramp up to this. Uh, apparently, the uh, you know the, the higher ups knew about it, but uh, but nobody else knew about it. And you know, but they got a new plan. You know, they're going to uh, have a website, and you know, so Wizard somehow is going to continue making money just off of uh, Comic Con, uh, which. I think it well, is, and uh, and you know, and any type of substance that they can, in every any type of advertising they can get off their website, and then they have the uh, the Geek Chic newsletter that goes out. Um, yes, yes, I mean, so they're they're still going to be around, but you know, when it comes to having a staff, having offices, having to print stuff up, I mean, that that's a lot of cost. Um, but if you can just boil all that down, just a nice slick website and work with freelancers and, and, you know, not have to do printing costs and anything like that, you know, 
and you have a and you have a name that has some recognition, wizard. You know, it's going to carry some weight, and in, in, you know, you're, you're almost uh, you're you're going to make some money, if not as much money. You know. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I thought it was real interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, this is uh, an article off of Comic Book Resources. Uh, uh, ironically enough, seeing as that probably had a lot to do with Killing Wizard. But, uh, but there are a lot of quotes here uh, from people who are all fairly well shocked. Uh, I think my favorite is the first one by a cat named Alejandra Arbona, who is the former associate editor of Wizard and Marvel. Uh, his quote is, only 100% blunt. In my opinion, Garib and Stephen Sheamus are dishonest, disreputable, ethically rudderless businessmen playing a shell game. <laughs> so, yeah, he obviously the, has nothing uh, to lose now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, he's certainly uh, willing to uh, burn that bridge, uh, I guess. And, and most of the people here, um, you, know, most, you know, most of the quotes here, and there have to be at least uh, 40 or 50 of them, uh, they, were not, uh, uh, they were not bridge burning uh, like that, uh, a lot of shock. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I just, I think that... that Apparently, uh, you know, they just thought they couldn't keep up. And Brad's point was uh, was perfect, I think. Um, you know, you just you can't be to the nanosecond topically relevant with a magazine in an Internet age. And that's a you damn know, shame. I, I did actually, and I heard a lot of complaints about this, but, it, but I think it, it was a format that... that uh, worked for them more is when they moved more towards that maxim type of feel because what it did was it brought in a wider audience which that's all these magazines want to do how wide of an audience can we get to bring in to look at our advertising so we can bring up our rate card and, and charge yeah. for advertising you really so, think uh, that helped see i, um, I was going to say i think it i don't think it helped at all i think it hindered it i hated the magazine once it changed formats but you know to lose to if, lose a hard one hardcore reader to gain four casual readers. But did it? Um, apparently, I mean, apparently, if they if it did, it didn't work. Right, but, that's my point. But you know, at least they they tried. Maybe you know they they were probably just so desperate to try something new because apparently the old model wasn't working. The old model, whether you love you know, obviously you loved it, was not working. So they had to try something something new. So you know, at yeah. least they, they they were trying something. Um, because, you know, had they not done that, who knows? They could have died, you know, five years ago had, had they stuck their heels in and, and not put anything out. So, you know, it's and, – and that one editor or writer who was, you know, was really pissed off about, you know, being blindsided, you know, no company – most companies, I, I think it's safe to say, would never tell you that things are bad because that's just bad for morale, you know, you just got to kind of dig deep and just kind of hope a miracle happens. And, and I'm sure that's what Wizard was trying to do, you know, hoping that they could make it work. And when it just didn't, then there was nothing they could do. You think this is – I don't see how their con endeavor is going to um, succeed either. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't, I don't know much more about their con other than their, just their names on it. Yeah, but how many of those little cons did they buy up recently and put their name on it? Where are they getting all their money from? See that I don't know. I, I, on a, on a con, you know, I was always under the impression that that they were just licensing their name to cons that they had really nothing to do with them. I think they I think they bought them. So I, I could be wrong, but yeah, I mean, I, I know I know zero about about their cons only that their names on it and yeah, to be honest too. and to be honest you know it doesn't matter to me if it says wizard world or if it says you know emerald city or if it says anything if it's just a you know if, if it depends on who's going to be there and what's happening is going to drive me there you know well, what if it says because it says wizard, uh just because it says wizard doesn't go, doesn't mean i'm going out there you know yeah, I mean, there's, there's not enough cons out there. I mean, if you're a fan of the genre, you're going to go to it. You're going to go to a comic book or a sci-fi convention, uh, no matter what the title of it is. Yeah, I, I don't think that the yeah the, the wizard uh, 
the lizard stamp above the door is meaningless, I, I think. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, like you said, maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, having uh, uh, the, you know, the lizard stamp on something meant, well, I know what to expect, much like uh, seeing uh, the logo McDonald's above a restaurant meant you knew what to expect. Uh, and I think, frankly, uh, Wizard had kind of turned into the McDonald's of, uh, of uh, comic book journalism. But, you know, frankly, I, I mean, I guess we will probably never have it again, but I wish that, um, that there was a way to get a print, uh, you know, print news. And, you know, I, I didn't mind, uh, you know, the, the direction. You know, I didn't start getting Wizard until a few years ago anyway, so I don't really have any idea what it used to be like back in the glory days. Um, so I, I realized that it was fluffy and not terribly, you know, thoughtful and, you know, was trying to kind of maxim itself out. Um, yeah, I was okay with that. Um, you know, I had fun reading it, and I'm sorry it's gone. So uh, that's a bummer. What's the, what's um, so, the name yeah. of the newsprint magazine that, that uh, you can get at comic book stores? Is that still around? Now, now you're, you may be talking about, uh, you're talking about Back Issue? No, comic, uh, I, Comics Buyer's Guide? Uh, maybe that's it. It's usually it's usually just just a, a newsprint. Uh, it's just a newsprint uh, magazine. Maybe it is Comics Buyer's Guide. And um, is it a magazine uh, or like a pamphlet? Uh, it's like a pamphlet. It's it's like a that's, small newspaper. Yeah, that's called Comic oh, Shop News. Yeah. Comic yeah. Shop News. That's it. Right. Comic Shop News. That that now that's a that's a nice little publication. I don't know where to get it. Every so often I'd see it in a comic book store, and sometimes if I buy stuff, they throw it in there for me. So I don't even know well, if you can buy it. The uh, the LCS is here in Plano. Um, they you can get them at, uh, at either shop. But I know at uh, Madness, um, at Madness they will include it um, in your bag every time you go in. And at uh, Lone Star, maybe it depends on who the person checking out is. But uh, but yeah, you can get it at, at probably almost any LCS. And, and I find that to be a, a silly publication. And honestly, um, I'm half the time I just throw it straight in the recycle pile because it's. It, it might be giving away stuff that's going to happen three, four months down the road, and there's just not enough information in a period, you know, uh, for my humble taste. You know, there, there might be one big story, and then there's a week's worth of, you know, the Spider-Man comic strip, and, you know, then some some blurbs on comics that are getting ready to come out. But I don't want to read that stuff. You know, that's the reason I've never uh, been into previews. I don't want to know what's happened three, four months down the road. You know, in fact, here's a question for you. Uh, this is not going to take long, but... Uh, if, if for those of you that read previews, did you know that it was going to be Johnny Storm? Did they somehow cloak this information? Yes, they cloaked it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think. I, did they just show a three? Brand, yeah, they, or they, they they always do that, Bill. Whenever they want to not spoil, you know, because they they um, solicit things two or three months in advance, so they they're always yeah. very careful. They did it with Secret Invasion. They did it with Civil War. They'll show censored covers or blacked out covers or they'll have okay. and they'll have nonsensical uh summaries you know hey okay. we or can't tell you or, because or, it's censored and and censored dies yeah. and you'll never believe how censored reacts to it and stuff like that okay so i was about to say i mean that i'm, I'm glad they do that um uh, because frankly i i am scared of getting you know spoiled spoiled, spoiled but it seems like it'd be easy enough for them to say you know Reed, Sue, and Ben have a terrible time getting past the mole man this issue, you know, and it can be completely innocent. But it's like, what a minute! Now, you know, so stuff like that has and, stuff like that has happened. It has slipped through, but yeah, I think yeah. I think over the last several years they've really gone to great pains to to try to be as spoiler free as possible. But you know oh, what? I always, I always forget about it anyway. So when I would get my shipment. I would just like, you know, I'd read that and I go, oh, okay, you know, Sue's going to die, you know, something's going to happen to Sue. And then I'd get the comic book and I'd read it and I totally forgot that I'd read that three months earlier. So it didn't even affect me, you know. Yeah. I, I just, hey, and by the way, I'm, I'm sorry to, uh, I'm sorry to throw the, uh, the car in reverse real quick, but I just, one more thing that, that just kind of, I, I, I don't know if it bothers me, I just find it really weird. Um, but the Fantastic Four title, just, I mean, like a year ago, went through a multi-part uh, issue mini-epic uh, called The Death of Susan Storm. And uh, it turns out, you know, spoiler alert, by the way, um, it turns out that, uh, yes, Sue Storm did in fact die, 
but it was a Sioux storm from the future. So um, I just think it's interesting that uh, that the Fantastic Four, it, it, this whole Johnny Storm thing, it almost felt like they're going back to the well. And if Hickman and uh, well, if Millar, but Hickman in particular, hadn't done such an incredible job of writing and just really ramping up the hard sci-fi aspect of this book, um, I think it would be borderline ridiculous what they did with Johnny Storm. Anyway, sorry, that's uh, a little editorializing. I just wanted to get off my chest. Uh, now we can uh, continue back on. Sorry. Well, back I mean, let, let's let's use this to jump into Marvel, which was our last topic for this evening. Which uh, very good. Which Marvel drops, you know, the death of high prices. Marvel drops their price point to two ninety nine. Let me read this. This is actually published uh, October eighth. Um. In a change that will total that to, that was totally planned out and has nothing to do with DC's uh, previous announcement, Marvel Comics are also dropping their price at, of a regular sized comic uh, to three bucks starting in January. Says VP uh, David Gabriel of Marvel. So um, basically, uh, from two ninety from three ninety nine to two ninety nine, Marvel regular comic books. Um, it's kind of hard to, to, to say that's a bad thing or anything. I mean, as a consumer, we always want to pay as little as possible and uh, get great content. So, um, so all I got to say is thank you, Marvel. Yeah, I don't see how this is a bad thing at all. You know, we're get, they went from 22 pages to 20. Big deal. Well, now, did, now it says here that uh, Marvel says that they're not dropping um, the page count, unlike DC, that 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 um and by the way you know i'm not trying to be terribly cynical here because i think dropping from 399 to 299 is is it, you know there's no way you can interpret this as, as a bad thing i mean and unless unless the artists are going to start going hungry all of a sudden well uh, apparently, no, i mean it it, it 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 can be a bad thing for the bottom line of marvel for for their publication because that cuts into their profits that's well, the last thing they did so on on their end, on a on a marketing end, on on a publication end, it's a bad thing. Uh, but well, there, I guess I guess maybe maybe they'll figure that it'll um, the profits that they were making going from three ninety nine. Uh, you know, of course they were losing listeners, but uh, losing readers. But I guess they figured, well, we'll still make it up at, uh, with the higher price. I'm hoping that they'll. They're probably thinking that the reverse will happen, that we'll get more people and it'll make up for the lost revenue. I don't know. That's lost well, revenue for Marvel, though. Hey, let me tell you what, man. If I go into a, an LCS on a Wednesday and I walk out with, you know, now I'm, I'm going in and, frankly, I'm, you know, I'm buying, you know, I'm buying the titles I want, not necessarily putting a price tag on it and walking out. But I guarantee there's a lot of people to do. They might walk in with a $20 bill and say, whatever I can fit under this $20 bill is what I get. And, you know, the idea that all of a sudden you're able to buy, you know, seven comics, uh, I realize math's off, but, you know, you buy seven comics instead of four comics can only be a good thing um, because, you know, circulation um, equals, you know, the, the upping of the rate card, you know, and it's, this, this can all be a very symbiotic process. Uh, now, of course, I think you mentioned that uh, the Marvel says the reason they can do this is because of the success of their digital uh, half of uh, the Marvel Empire. And if that's true, then that's awesome, because that is a win-win for everybody. Um, myself, I've never read one digital comic, um, and, and I don't know that I ever will, uh, because, again, I like, uh, you know, I guess I'm old school. I like holding it in my hand, you know, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, my iPad. Now, if I had an iPad like Fancy Old Frank there, uh, maybe it'd be different, but I just I'm not going to sit there and read something on my laptop. Um, you know, for one thing, the aspect's wrong. You know, but uh, um, you know this this whole digital this whole digital distribution for comics is an awesome idea. If you have something like that 10 inch tablet, um, I think you know that may be uh, certainly a way of the future. And they can thank Steve Jobs or whoever for inventing this lovely technology. Um, that will allow digital distribution to become, you know, quite possibly mainstream. So, you know, Marvel is probably going to have to bite the, uh, bite the bit and realize that in three years, five years, ten years, 
most people who used to have a PC, used to have a laptop, will now have an iPad or some kind of tablet, and that that will make it very easy. You know, if I had a tablet, yeah, I think I would be interested in a digital comic. But again, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the, the quandary that uh, the artists have. Uh, who was it? Was it Jim Lee or was it um, um, uh, gosh, Leno Hugh or or, uh, um, or was it um, uh, gosh, the guy who draws uh, uh, Flash now? Um, but he said that he does. Unfortunately, he it's does. Francis Manipal. Okay, okay, yeah, Fr- yeah, Francis Manipal. I'm not a huge fan of his work on Flash either. I just don't see it. It, it works in that uh, uh, for that title. But uh, one of these cats, whoever it was, said that they they do their work digitally now. But they will still draw a couple of pages from the title, you know, a couple of pages from each individual comic. Um, they'll do it the old-fashioned way on paper, so they will have something to sell afterwards. Well, Freddie Williams II um, does that. Okay, all right, cool. That uh, that may have been who it was. Uh, man, Freddie Williams is so freaking awesome anyway. Um, still, it's definitely going to be the wave of the future, and the tablet computer is probably going to save comics as we know them. Uh, I just hope that uh, they never get away from uh, publishing paper comics uh, because, frankly, you know, I want something to save. And, man, I'm going to need something to sell when I get old because I ain't going to have any money. Well, as soon as I can afford one of those 10-inch uh, tablets, I'm going to I'm gonna get one because I would love to be able to take a buttload of, of comic books and, and with me on the plane and read them that way or in my backpack or something. And you know the doubly awesome part of having a tablet is you could read 150 comics in one shot, and no one would know that you're not uh, working on a spreadsheet. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, and, right. Uh, uh, just keep in mind, guys, you got to buy those books too. Or I guess you could. I guess you could always uh, torrent them. But, well, uh, you know, if if I can stop buying hard copies, and I like hard copies. Don't get me wrong. I like my hardbacks. I like my floppies, my monthlies, but. If I can start getting digital versions for as cheap or cheaper, then I would be happy to start spending my money on that instead of cluttering up my my closet even more. Uh, for me, if there's you know as cheap. No, it needs to be cheaper, and, and obviously you know the price will go up as more people adopt it. Uh, well, or maybe it will go down, but but no, a digital comic needs to be noticeably cheaper than the uh than the the, the paper copy um Men, you know, many the, of the comics right now are running at about uh 2.99 uh or 1.99 or 1.99 which uh no it's 1.99 i'm sorry which uh while it's still cheap um you know you kind of want it to be at that 99 cent mark that feels like the magic number to me um yeah and and i think they i think they will i think they just need to justify costs and stuff like that uh, for anyone yeah. who hasn't used something like Comicology, the uh, the viewer to to read comics, it's great. It works wonderful. It's uh, it's a good experience. You really can see the whole page, and it it zooms into the panels that need to be zoomed in, and it works very well. Um, you know, I'm hooked. Um, you know, as soon as they can start doing same day releases. Um, that may be, you know, I, I was trying to get the Fantastic Four same-day release, but uh, but they didn't do it on Comicology. So chances are, once they start to do that, uh, I think we got a winning winning model here. And drop, you know, well, g- give us a 99-cent comic. Why do you think they're not doing same-day release? Do you, do you think they're trying to force the, the collector or the fan to go pick up the, the issue in the stores, or... Is it some kind of distribution issue they've got? Because I, I can't uh, I'm, imagine. I'm you know, sure it's a distribution deal with the comic book, comic shop owners. I mean, they still have deals with print print companies. They still have deals with with distributors, with Diamond and stuff like that. So they probably made some deal with Diamond that said, you know, um, you know, we will we won't do first run releases until six months after they they've already been released. That's probably what they're doing, just because they have to honor a contract with. With Diamond, I mean, because so that affects be Diamond like a, in the long run. Is this going to be like a Netflix thing where they decide to start delaying the release of uh, certain movies on DVD for up to twenty-eight days, uh, or they you can't get them from the Red Box or the Netflix uh, for twenty-eight days after they've been released uh, for purchase? Um, 
Now, I find it interesting that Blockbuster does not have that deal. So the, the day you can buy that DVD um, at Walmart or Best Buy or wherever you go, you can go to Blockbuster and rent it. But you have to wait 28 days to get it from Netflix to Redbox um, because they're, they want to drive people to apparently purchase the thing um, if they really want it. And, you know, for most of us, you know, who cares? You wait an extra month. You know what? Back in the old days, it used to take, you know, four, six, you know, eight, nine months for that movie to come out on DVD anyway. And, you know, now they're coming out in sometimes just two or three months. So we're already... We're getting the movies faster than we used to anyway, so I don't think it's a it's not an issue that the consumer needs to uh, be mad about. Uh, I just I just find it interesting. So anyway, um, one of these days, hopefully, the reason they're doing this is to protect the interests of the LCSs out there. Okay. Well, um, with that, let's wrap up. I think we got a we got a this is our death show where we talk all about things that are dead. We're glad you're. Uh, we're glad you were here to uh, to join us. Half hour wasted. Um, Brad, do we have a boilerplate? Someone to read a boilerplate for us? No, I don't have a boilerplate, but I do okay. have a message for you, Frank. That I'll that I'll play after we wrapped it up. So you'll have to listen to the episode to hear it. Okay. Uh, let me just. Uh, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and read this. Then real quick, this is our, our boilerplate, and we'll be at. Guys, it's been a pleasure skyping. We'll be in uh, real space next week, hopefully, if weather keeps up. Or if, uh, or if the weather clears up. Um, with that, let me read this. Thank you for well, listening to a half It's not going to be bikini weather next week, so we'll be able to get together. Sorry. You have 30 seconds, Frank. Thank you for listening to a half hour wasted. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, guys. Nice. I Beckett. Frank. Frank, are you there? Listen. Apparently your mom still thinks my number is our number, and left me a message for you. She said something about you asking her for a boilerplate. But your pappy says no. The neighbors borrowed it for the winter. Well, being a good mother that she is, she sent you one anyway. Oh, and she still wanted to know when we were coming down to stay with her for a month. Frank, you really gotta tell her it's over between us. Anyway, I'll forward you her message, for the last time, if you do me a solid. Send me the digits of the new guy on the show, you know, the one with the dulcet tones. Okay, I gotta run. Later alligator, deuces, peace out, I'm Aldi, like a belly button. Let me play your mom's message for you. Okay, no problem. Did you say start? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>